Je luister naar die stem van die kaap op 91.3 en 95.8 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to the Airwaves of the Voice of the Cape. If you just tuned in on 91.3 FM Studio 89.8, 90.9, 95.8 as well as www.vsfm.co.za. Uh, my name is uh, Mohammed Fasih Peterson and I'll be with you for the next hour or so in this is the program MJC Speaks. Uh, we, we usually on a weekly basis on the Tuesday between 8 and 9 we touch base with the Muslim Judicial Council and uh, find out more more about this organization, its various branches, and how it uh, functions within the community and serves the community, and also looking at some of the initiatives the MJC is currently involved in. Uh, tonight we'll be looking at something very interesting, I think something so key. Um, uh, we'll be looking at the academic side of uh, the journey of his, inshallah. I mean, we're talking about the MJC's Khufad Academic Support Program. Um, now, we know education is something that, um, you know, is, is, is important for us to be able to, uh, should I say, progress to the next uh, to the next stage in our lives. And a lot of young people, uh, when they first set out uh, uh, to, to do Khif's parents always ask the question, you know, if it's the ch- a child's own choice, you know, how's my child going to, you know, uh, fare when they leave, when they, when they finish with their Khif's, are they going to be able to at school and then in other cases also uh, when the issue is the the child might have a fear you know if I when once I'm done with my gifts will I be able to you know catch up and bridge those five or six years that I've missed um, uh, while I was not in school well tonight we're going to be talking about that and also looking at perhaps some of the regulations and responsibilities that fall on parents um, but uh, to first start off let me greet my guests in the studio I have uh, uh, Sheikh Shahid Isa who is is a member of the MJC Education Department, also a member of the MADA, of the Muslim Judicial Council, and a member of the Al-Azhar Board. Um, and then also I have a joining me in the studio, the administrator of the Khufad Academic Support Program, and then other than uh, Auntie Nazima Omar joining us uh, to my guests. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to VSC Studios. Alhamdulillah, pleasure having Sheikh with us uh, this evening. So I want to start off um, talking about uh, uh, this. 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 Uh, I'm just asking the question: When we talk about Khufad academic support, and I, I've mentioned in the role that education plays, um, but. At what point did the MJC identify, you know, that there was this gap and this need? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam na Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Amma ba'da salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Brother Vasir, I think historically the MJC always had an education department. And since 1945, at the inception of the organization and it's also its constitution, one of the key objectives was to provide Islamic education for the Muslim community, particularly at that time for Cape Town and the Western Cape, and of course beyond that at this moment. So Alhamdulillah, I think historically we have that context. We know that uh, the MGC also, all its imams and the sheikhs and ulama and maulanas that belong to the institution, uh, they also serve in various capacities as imams where they are teaching. They also become mu'allimas and mu'allims at the madrasas, etc. In fact, we established the Darul Arkham Institute, 
uh, historically, and that was to train people over three years, eventually become a four-year program. And of course, many of our students that graduated from there went abroad to study further to become a shaykh and complete their uh, higher education abroad in the Arab world. And they returned and they have also taken up positions. Those who stayed locally used that education that we provided and became also madrasa teachers and uh, also opened their own madrasas. This institution, of course, historically then merged with ICOSA, Islamic College of South Africa, and became the Islamic Peace College of South Africa, which is IPSA today. So the MGC has been always involved. However, this need, when we discuss MGC Education Department, we were looking at the broad education that exists within the community, which covers adult education, madrasa, afternoon education, madrasa, weekend education. We have also the formal Muslim schools that operate with their own syllabus, like the M School, Association of Muslim Schools, those who are affiliated and those who are not, and those who are state-funded and those who are private. And then, of course, we got the higher education, which is Darul Rooms, colleges and others that exist, and universities also offering departments that are offering Islamic education, etc. So this old spectrum and scope of uh, involvement that we see at, at different levels in different ways that we have to play a role and also try to uh, promote Islamic education in all its different spheres and where it's operating. The issue that arose specifically on the Hafiz schools issue was when the department reported a matter that children between the age of 7 and 15 needs to have compulsory state education. Now, if it's not the state education in state schools, it will be either private or semi-private schools or state-funded schools, which operates with its own boards and on private property. But they need to have the South African curriculum that they study between 7 and 15. Now, a number of Harvard schools are accommodating learners between those ages, younger and older as well. So the major concern was when those students are in a half schools, they are not within the formal sector of public schooling. And therefore, the children miss out two years, three years, four years. And in some cases, even up to eight years, they're out of the schooling system. Now, during that period, they are not exposed to the basic what we call literacy numeracy litnum, which is your maths and your English and, of course, science that you need to be exposed to in order to fit into the system again when you finish your Hafiz training. So the memorization takes up a small portion or it can take up a large portion of your life. So the issue is how do these children fit back into the school? We've had, of course, many of our Muslim schools accommodating those learners and some of them have become doctors. Some of them have become uh, lawyers. Some have become, They're all highly professional, but they're also Hafiz. But that is the minority of learners. The vast majority of Hafiz students are not actually academically or professionally trained to take up another position. And then also we'll find that some, uh, again, the, there are so, so many young people when they finish the history, never go back to school. That's correct. So um, uh, obviously in, in, in trying to, to, to bridge that gap, are there, is there also uh, a, a mechanism in place that is trying to motivate young people to stay in school? Yeah, I just want to just briefly cover that uh, issue of the, uh, the MGC's intervention is when the department said, look, it's very difficult for them to regulate half its schools. And then they approached the MGC and asked, can you assist and take some responsibility because um, I think you will be better received as the uh, ulama and as the leadership in the Muslim community to deal with the matter. 
because they're going to have also problems dealing with those schools and they don't understand how these schools operate. So we have formed a collaboration where we now will issue a, of course, as the Nazima will explain, a registration certificate, the people have to comply, etc. And so the department's concern was that gap that exists during that period when they learn HIFS. And of course, uh, we have to try now and assist to cover that gap. That is why we came in and we are now working to assist the department as well so they can see that there is an intervention, that children will have, be exposed to maths and science and English. So when they do return to a normal school system, they're able to complete their metric and then continue their studies at university, making them both professional and also hafid. So, so when we talk about these kind of interventions, and I want to bring Antinazima, uh, Umar in here, inshallah, um, are we saying that necessarily it's not saying, okay, fine, uh, while Khafiz uh, students are, 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 are doing the Khafiz, uh, we're offering you standard 7, 8 or 9, but rather giving you the skills to be able to, into, uh, once your Khafiz is complete and you enter the, the, um, you know, uh, the academic, uh, secular, uh, secular field once again and, and do your, your, your metric, for instance, that you'll be able to grasp the concepts, particularly as uh, Sheikh has mentioned of physics and maths and all of those other things. Mm. It's such a huge <laughs> question that you've <laughs> asked, but uh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, your introduction was really spot on when you mentioned a couple of very appropriate points there. Uh, questions asked our parents should be asking themselves. When uh, there's a host of reasons why parents choose to put their children in a Hafiz school, none of which we question, which we accept. But at the same time, uh, our parents are not in a habit, and I uh, hope I'm not on anybody's toes here, they're not in a habit of thinking beyond what happens when the child completes. When it gets near to completion, they start worrying. But there isn't much out there, there isn't much help and guidance out there for parents to answer their questions and to plan for the children's future. So let's, for argument's sake, say that the child takes six years to complete or five years to complete, which is actually uh, in the majority. Uh, we'd like to think that it's two to three years, but it's not the reality. So let's let's talk about four to five years. Those children have been in the Hafiz institution for so many years, they have huge knowledge gaps. Now you need to reintegrate back into the mainstream, into the schooling system. What happens to those knowledge gaps? This just doesn't disappear. Children mature, they grow, they get older, but those gaps remain. So what we're saying is that we need to put something in place where children are actually closing those gaps while they're memorizing. Bearing in mind that um, when they start memorizing, they use less time for memorization and they have more time for, for other things. As they near completion, they need more time for the Quran and less time for academics. So this this is very complex in, in the sense of putting a program in place for a particular child. So we try by putting things in place like this academic program we're talking about, where we can offer children at least the core subjects, maths and English, at the level they were supposed to be at. But uh, I, I will explain that later, how the program actually works. So we, we are putting things in place in order for children to be able to remain on par where they should be when they reintegrate. 
the voice of uh, Dinazima Omar, and we also have uh, Sheikh Shahid Issa joining us in studio this evening, talking about the MJC's Hufad Academic Support Program. When we come back after this break, we will continue, and I'd like to delve a little bit more into what this program entails. Stay tuned. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. 91.3 FM Stereo, the Voice of the Cape. Uh, Assalamu alaikum and welcome back. It's uh, 19 minutes after 8 and we're in studio with uh, Sheikh Shahid Iso uh, and uh, Anti Nazima. And we're speaking about uh, the MJC's Hufad Academic Support Program. And uh, I want to come back and, and speak about uh, again. Um, we highlighted the role of the parents uh, before the break and I want to revisit that and uh, ask Sheikh Shahid uh, when we talk about. Uh, academic uh, you know excellence in the sense uh, everyone loves to hear that word um, when we talk about uh, you know children succeeding at school um, also when when we when, when children are succeeding in their hits um, we are proud of them alhamdulillah as we rightfully should be however when one gives gives preference to the one over the other from a legal point of view from a from a South African law point of view um, what 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 are the what are the repercussions when parents neglect the the, the basic uh, schooling of any one of their children in favour of 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 of, of his and and obviously as we know it is a noble it is a noble cause to to learn the Quran. However, from the from the law of this country, from South African law's perspective, what does the law say regarding uh, you know the basic educational needs of children? I think what is important, if we compare ourselves to the Arab world, generally people in Hifz and every single masjid, like in Egypt, you can go to just almost any masjid, you'll find a half a teacher available. The teacher's there the whole day. So whether you go to a school in the morning, you can come in the afternoon. If you go learn in the morning, you can go to an afternoon school. So it's always joining these things and balancing it. And if you're an adult, you can come in the evening after work. The, the HIFS programs run there parallel to all other programs. And within the school system, you're obliged to memorize chapters every year or parts of chapters that must be completed. So this education within the Muslim world as such or the Arab world as such is that Hifs is part of your normal academic program every single day in your life. Now that may not be the case in South Africa. And therefore we have special schools that provide that. And of course we know the Hadith and the Quran that refers to, of course, the reading of Quran and how we should read Quran. And of course children that become Hafiz and the honor that is bestowed upon parents of who, who have Hafiz children and Yom Al-Qiyamah. There's all these. Of course we encourage it. But the issue that we face in South Africa Education is a basic right and must be provided to the child. The state, therefore, provides that edu- public education on behalf of the parent. The parent is responsible in the first instance. The state then assumes because of the taxation and revenues that they have, they use that money to provide a type of equal education in terms of public education to all citizens of South Africa. So you have norms and standards being set. And in South Africa, we call it CAPS. That is basically the curriculum that is designed for public schooling. 
Private schools use that as the basic, uh, the, what we call the bottom or the, uh, the baseline. And then they may add supplementary and other things to the programs that they have and extracurricular things. But CAPS is a requirement in order to operate an institution in South Africa. So it's the duty and responsibility of the parent. One, the state assumes that responsibility and says, yes, we provide free education. Now, private schools will add their own money, which is at their discretion, in order to run all other activities and maybe to, to make classes smaller and provide more teachers. And in that way, they try to improve the quality of the education. However, the state school uh, will provide the education. If you have money, there will be a small amount paid to a state school for whatever they need to do. If you're not by the means, it will be a partial exemption. If you're by no means to pay, it's free. Those, those children are completely exempted, but they must be given education. So the state says that between 7 and 15 is compulsory education. That is basically from grade 1 to grade 9. That's essentially when you're up to 15. FET, which is beyond that, which is grade 10 onwards, that is now at the parent's discretion, and that you're not, it's not compulsory. So you have the choice to send your child to a, to a FET college or to send them somewhere else or to for further training at a technical college and eventually to a university or a technicon like a CPUT. So this is the, the responsibility of parents. So if you don't have the child in the normal public schools or in the private sector and you say, I want to take my child out, then another uh, uh, regulation uh, steps in which says, Homeschooling is now required. You as a parent have opted not to use the public system or the private system, but your, your own arrangement with the school, which is not providing uh, the, the academic program, only the HIFS program. You must now provide. Either you teach yourselves or you get people to do it on your behalf to provide that academic program, which is compulsory in terms of the law. If you fail to do that, you expose yourself to prosecution. So parents can be held, therefore, liable and accountable for neglecting the children's education while they're pursuing only one particular pursuit of HIFS at the expense of the academic program. So we have stepped in to say, how can we assist those parents in achieving the one of having a healthy student, which is, uh, as we say, very honorable, and of course, at the same time, creating the opportunity for the child to reintegrate into the normal academic program so the child becomes also a professional but also a hafith. We have a number of those examples, alhamdulillah, but as I said, the vast majority of learners that become hafith, many of them drop out of school, they don't continue, they don't reintegrate in schools, and therefore they expose themselves to be unable to sustain themselves and also to take care of their families. And of course, the level of education of that particular individual, although it's not limited to formal education, but then there needs to be a special effort on the part of the learner or student to achieve that and to work towards that. So our role is interventionary, where we try to assist as far as possible for children to achieve their potential in life. And this is why create that opportunity, create the opportunity, give career guidance to people so that we expose them so they can, of course, um, have greater uh, opportunities to earn also well in life, to hold a good position in life, to take responsibility in life. And it's coupled with HIFS. So this is the arrangement that we're looking at. So now um, I want to talk about the process a little bit uh, more in detail and uh, trying to understand um, 
let's say for instance a uh, parent is uh, keen on 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 you know taking the child out of out of a public school or or, or, or even a private school and says you know what my kid is uh, of the age that I think they have that it, it would be good for them now to go and do this and they fall within the category where they're not 15 years old yet so there's still some com- there's still some compulsory education that needs to follow um wh- wh- how would how would you advise the young person or how would you advise the parents in this case to handle the situation to ha- get to get the best outcome first of all i think i'd like to suggest that parents think carefully at the age that they take the child out my recommendation would be after grade seven because the, by that time the independent learners not younger the kids are out younger they struggle so um, yes you can make that decision it's your right you can take your child out you by now you've chosen your high school you'd like to go to and but the parent like I said in the beginning you need to think beyond you need to think what's going to happen while the child is at the high school and what's going to happen after you must have a plan don't wait for it to happen and then run around looking for ways out so this is where the MJC project comes into play while your child is at the school you attend our free Saturday classes for maths and English so the child won't fall behind with with that and when they complete then we can actually give them some form of certificate that says this is what they've completed so reintegration becomes easy but also bearing in mind that the department rule is such that after three years being out of school for three years you don't just reintegrate without an intervention we're hoping that this intervention will fill that gap as well so traditionally before this program took off how, how were learners reintegrated and what, what kind of interventions were, were uh, required they were allowed to do uh, an assessment let's say they apply at a mainstream school they would be required to do an assessment and it's the school's discretion to accept or reject that application um, before it was easy but, uh, schools would normally just take the children because um, there wasn't the same the regulations changed now if you're out for three years you can't just step back into school you need an intervention first before you could reintegrate even after five years schools would take you currently the Muslim schools are, are quite um, keen to assist by taking children whereas the mainstream schools are a little bit more careful because they're going to battle with the students and they're not up for that uh, not Challenge. that one can blame them and also if we think about it particularly in public schools where you have in excess of 45 this 50 students to a class and everyone's coming for the attention of the teacher uh, so now you come someone who is five years behind or yeah. three years behind so uh, it, it becomes an immediate challenge yeah. for the for the teacher there's, there's one other thing that's happening there are very few high schools who are actually running their own academic programs as well Okay, so okay. battling a little bit here and there, trying to make things work, trying to get a good fit and so on. But they, that is also running at the moment. But that's very few of the schools. So, so, so now that uh, we've spoken about this uh, um, in a little bit more detail, um, how does one identify? Because obviously, we said that uh, um, yeah, uh, the MGC hosts these uh, these weekend classes for for uh, prospective for, for further really or those who are memorizing the Quran to catch up on the science and catch up on the maths, maths, the maths and English, uh, and, and English uh, over the weekend. So um, obviously, let's say you you have learners from different grades. So someone 
lift, perhaps at uh, grade uh, um, at grade six or grade five. Someone le- uh, lifted grade seven. Someone maybe lifted grade eight. So how do, how do we bridge the gap there? Okay. Well, they would apply for the grade that they thought they would should be at that age that they were in. Then they were required to write a baseline assessment. And based on the results of that, we placed them in their respective grades. However, um, in the weeks that followed, it was still necessary to shift children either into lower grades, very, very unlikely into higher grades, but we had to shift them. Some of the students actually requested to be shifted out of the grade because they felt that they were in over their heads. So it's a good learning curve for them to actually realize how much they need to catch up with. And then also I want to ask uh, uh, Sheikh Shahid again, uh, if we look at uh, um, this, this academic support program, um, what kind of successes have we seen you know, since its inception in helping, in helping should I say, support Khufad uh, and, 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 and uh, academically in a sense? What I probably have to raise at this stage, Professor is of course that we've got 24 schools that have now registered with the MGC that comply. We will speak about the compliance issue. And, uh, of course, the invitation was made public to everybody. All the Hafiz schools know about it. We have now created two campuses, one for a primary school sector and one for the high school, and covering all the grades. And, um, of course, that is now in the Athlon area, Darul Islam uh, Girls School, that will be next to the masjid, that is being used. And, of course, the uh, Al-Azhar in um, Athlon, which is in Bird Street, right on the railway side, those two campuses. Um, as it's growing, we'll have to consider expanding, particularly in the Mitchell's Plain area, to cater for that broad, because the large majority of people stay that side, and there's quite a few Hafi schools also in that area. So we are planning, but of course there are cost implications. Our partner in this arrangement, and we have to acknowledge them for the exceptional work that they do in many other areas as well, but here it will be Okaf South Africa, and by the Mika Ilkalia is, of course, the person heading up the operations in the Western Cape, in Cape Town. And they, their board has approved, basically, to support this academic support program, to pay teachers for spending weekends in teaching. Of course, the venues are provided by our schools at no cost. So venues are all provided. If there's a further need, Alim Dad has indicated also they were keen to come involved and provide some sandwich or some drink as well on these weekend programs for the children, but at least some of the children, if they don't have food and things, they will be able to provide them, uh, you know, a basic sandwich and meal for the day that they come in to do some uh, um, learning something for the, from the tuition programs. Okay, so 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 if we look at this and, and the expansion of this program um, and the involvement of a coffee says as as she has mentioned, um, would we say then that um, key to key to 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 uh, a lot of the the the, the, the development that uh, we would we want would want to see is that uh, not just uh, it's not just about the MGC, but we would would be looking for more buy-in from from businesses from the business community to help support and grow this initiative beyond uh, where it currently is? Absolutely. I think I would encourage an appeal to business people. Um, OCOF is running the account completely, pays directly the teachers. So if money needs to be invested in this particular area, they can, of course, um, deposit that money with the OCOF account and, of course, indicate that it is for the OFAD Academic Support Program and they will take responsibility. So the money matters are handled by OCOF. 
So uh, I will explain later also some other developments that we are looking at Hafid schools, that for instance in the administration, if people like financial administration or even management in administration, those organizational skills, Al-Qaf has said that they will avail also professionals to intervene in that respect, to be able to grow the skills of the management of Hafid schools, its administration, so that they can also function more professionally. So, um, obviously, uh, Sheikh has identified a, a, a few Hith schools that are part of this initiative. Yeah. Um, how, what is the process if one wants to register your Hith school? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of um, schools out there who are concerned about the learners uh, and the academic uh, progression. So, what is the process then of registering your school to be part of this initiative? I think uh, we've had, uh, we made, of course, an appeal uh, publicly and on radio where we ask people to come to the MTC for a public meeting regarding this particular program and what we envisage, how we envisage to cooperate and collaborate and partner and to assist the uh, enhancement of Hafi schools to make them much more professional and appealing to parents and for learners to go to. But the person that has been doing the groundwork going week after week to different schools and of course engaging them and assisting them as of course Mr. Nazima Omar and Mr. Hussein Imran, our former pr- principal of uh, Trafalgar who is a very active member in the project as well. So I'm going to leave it to Sister Nazima to speak about the registration and compliance issue that we address when we approach schools and in order to register them. Well, the schools would contact us. Um, they, there's, a, there's an email address that they all have by now. They send the request that they are interested in registering with us. We send them forms, and when they complete the form, it's like a checklist. They will know exactly what is required in order to register. Then Buta Hussain and I will go and set up an appointment with the school. We visit, we do a compliance inspection, and we leave them with recommendations, suggestions, whatever is outstanding, whatever they need to do. Um, And if once things are in order, they are granted the registration certificate. And we, we guide them. From there on, we are obliged to support them and we are obliged to guide them further. Um, this is an annual, it's not a re-registration, but it's an annual update on the registration. Once again, then we will check that they are still compliant throughout the year. Um, our main focus right now is safety issues, health and safety issues. And we don't interfere much in, in anybody's methodology. In fact, that's not really what we look at because every school has their own methodology going. It's not our concern. Our concern is the health and safety and how we can support them to improve the conditions for the children. I've got a question that says, Assalamu alaikum. I'm planning, to, uh, planning on sending my son to a Hiff school next year, inshallah. He's now in grade 7. He will be attending the Hiff school at Jamia to Sabar in Primrose Park. Would like to know if they are registered with this program. Do we? Not yet. Okay, mm-hmm. not yet. So obviously, uh, they can check back again from time to time. Um, but obviously, so, so definitely, um, when, when, when people are uh, thinking about sending the, 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 the kids off to, to, to Hiffs, and I'm glad that this person is keen on, on making sure that the, the child's academic, uh, uh, the, the academic side of the child's education is being looked after. But when sending your child off uh, uh, for gifts, um, how, how important is it for them also to perhaps have some kind of 
timeline in saying, you know what, um, at a certain age, because we know some, some parents say, okay, fine, you know what, by age so-and-so we want you back in school. Uh, is that something that we should be instituting um, uh, within our homes to say that, you know what, uh, especially if a child is very, very young. Like, for instance, sometimes we see kids as young as eight or nine going off the, uh, go to study this. At what point should the parents be saying, you know what, um, by this age we want you back in school? That's a very difficult one because all parents are different mm -hmm. and it's also the parents' education and understanding of what's happening in particular HIFS training and also academic training. I think what should happen now, there should be some counselling or consultation with educators both in the HIFS sector and also from the academic sector and I think what should happen as well is that people should like we have now a um, a test before you when you go to grade R and you complete grade R then they do a test for you and we call it the readiness test for grade one so I think what we should do is to look at the you know the child and the capabilities of the child and test the child like we do on baseline testing and see how far that child is and also the ability to memorize and to do certain things and I think we have to manage that. Therefore, some learners can do it in two years, and some learners do it in eight years, and some learners never become Hafiz. So the issue is, do you keep a child for 10 years out of the school, and the person has learned only five to Hafiz? So, and I think this is the counseling and consultation that should take place. We need to set time frame. Uh, everybody's not given that gift. Everybody's not able to do it. Everybody can memorize some of the Quran and others can memorize the entire Quran. And we need to identify that early and assist. And to a large extent, parents in this whole learning process of Hivs, they have to be with their child every single day to ensure that the child sleeps, all right? gets up at certain times, revise at certain times, read with the child, or if you can't try to get someone to, to assist, listen to the child. So you have to actually inspire and monitor, be part of that child's program. The same thing with academics. You find when parents are more involved with the learners, you find the performance, academic performance, is much better as well. So what I'm hearing here, and I think this, it comes all comes back to the parent and yeah. the involvement of the parent in the life of the child, particularly as far as the gifts and the academics is concerned. Uh, because I think, and I, I, I look, with the, 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 I'm sure there are exceptions, but sometimes we tend to think, uh, you know, when I put my child in the gift school, the sheikh must take care of the child, and you know, once once he's done, boom, he's going to go back into school, and it's not a problem. Or when the child is in school, fine, you know what, we don't have to take, to take uh, worry about his academics. Yeah. The the teacher will take care of that, and uh, every so often, uh, when I feel when I feel comfortable with it, I send my child to madrasa, uh, or I keep my child home from the school from madrasa sometimes. And when I send him to madrasa, the the, the, the sheikh is supposed to take care of his Islamic needs. But here we are. What we are saying is that the parent plays a crucial and central role in uh in in, in 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 ensuring that the child is following the right path or right course that lead, leads him to a better place later on in life inshallah um before we go on to on to my next question i have got a someone a uh, question coming through this is so now my son is doing gifts now i imagine that this person's uh child or, son, uh, or is not doing gifts at one of the institutions that are registered uh currently uh the person says can i bring him to the program in my personal capacity Yes, um, if a child is at 
at any health institution uh, just need evidence that it is so, the child is welcome because that's the bottom line. It's for any child who's in a HIF school and hopefully that school will see the benefits and then come and register. But it's definitely open to any child who's in a HIF institution at the moment, whether okay. they registered or not. Okay, so so uh, if so, when you, whether the child is registered at an institution, whether or not they're welcome to bring Absolutely. the child along. So I hope that answers our our, our uh, listeners' question. We're going to go for a break. When we come back, we'll continue and we'll speak more about the MGC's Hufa's academic support program. Uh, stay tuned to VSC ninety one point three FM. Je luistert naar die stem van die kaap op 91.3 en 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back uh, to VSC 91.3 FM and it's MJC Speaks this evening. We're in studio with uh, Sheikh Shahid Iso uh, and we also are joined by Auntie Nazima Umar. Sheikh Shahid Iso is a member of the MJC Education Department, a member of the MARA of the Muslim Judicial Council and a member of the Azad Board and Auntie Nazima is the administrator of the MJC Hufad Academic Support Program uh, that we are speaking about tonight. Now um, I want to go back and maybe then just ask uh, before we get into anything else um, we spoke about something during the break and I think is very crucial and that is um, when when uh, children who are studying gifts don't perform who don't achieve um, is that quite common in gifts institutions or high institutions yes it is actually unfortunately um, for us the bottom line of this project is the welfare of the children. We, we push that agenda all the time. And we do come across many children in schools who are stuck. You can't sit there for five years and tell me you've only memorized two. It's not good enough. That means you don't have the aptitude. Now, I feel it's an injustice to this child because you're losing five years of your life. You should have, as your developmental years, you're sitting in a place where you're not moving. You shouldn't be there, and we should be brave enough to say it's time for you to move on. If you want to come back to memorize, if you really want to do this, go back to school, do what you have to do, become a stronger learner, and then attempt it again when you mature. But right now, it's not working for that child, and I feel that is, it's not right. We, we're not very happy with that, and we're very uncomfortable when we find this. So now, um, if we look at uh, um, the 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 the, uh, uh, the one aspect that I think is so key that uh, um, I, w- I keep coming back to, and that is uh, um, the 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 understanding of uh, the parents at all. But now, particularly if a parent um, is, uh, is 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 considering, um, you know, taking their child from 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 the from an academic environment to uh, do hifs, what is the one thing that they need to understand and be aware of uh, when they make this decision, um, in in the sense in, in how it will affect the child's life? But my problem, um, as this may sound very crude. But I found that our Hafiz students know very little about very little. We find these children are so sheltered. Um, first of all, how much of the Quran do they understand? They've memorized it all. That's number one. Number two, the general knowledge is putrid. I'm generalizing now, forgive me for the ones who don't fit the bill. Generally, our children 
are just not exposed to enough knowledge of the world, knowledge of the environment, knowledge of the universe, knowledge of anything else. So our children walk out there so sheltered that they don't know much about anything. We need as parents to take responsibility. We need to expose our children. They need to be belong to certain clubs, whether it's chess or whether it's sports or where they need all those things. They need to be balanced. Their lives need to be well balanced. So we are asking parents to consider all those things. In any case, the child's memorization will improve if you balance everything else for them. Also, they need to keep in mind where the child is going to go after memorization, after completion, where are they going, when are they going, have you prepared, are the children able to go and take on that grade. So you need to put things in place for these children to reintegrate. It's not just going to happen by itself. So now I, wanna, uh, uh, I know that there's a hotline and a help desk uh, if people would like to find out more about uh, the the academic support program for Hufad and uh, if they're looking for a little bit of guidance. We've seen some questions coming come through, so definitely there's an interest, alhamdulillah. So mm-hmm. what is that number or that email or contact okay. detail that they can, that they can uh, you know, uh, make, take advantage of? Okay, it's, it's my number and my email address. And I must be a fool for giving it on air. <laughs> but anyway, it's um, my email address is nazimaomar at mweb.co.za and it's spelled N-A-Z-E-M-A-O-M-A-R at mweb.co.za and my number is 082-562-9784. But may I please humbly request that calls don't come too late at night. And that maybe I have a break on a Sunday. Can you read it again? Sure. Slowly. The number is 082 562 9784. 9784. Okay, so. I'm sure well, if uh, any listener wants to call in and wants to get the number, they can certainly get it from our reception. Yes, at the or the, M- or the reception of views. Oh, yes, of course. Inshallah. I mean, mm. So, obviously, 082 and that is the help desk. So, then I want to ask um, the venues the, the, where, where these um, programs will be taking place over the weekend. And is it only Saturday? Is it Saturday and Sunday? It's only on a Saturday. We have uh, grades 1 to 6 at the Al Azhar campus in Athlone, and grades 7 to 12 is at the Darul Islam campus next to the mosque. In Saudi Estate. Oh, we started nine in the morning and we completed twelve thirty. Okay, so that's uh, actually just three and a half hours. That's not, that's not bad. Not so all. yeah, parents can drop the kids off, go shopping, and come back and pick them up just in time for the initial. Can I just add something, there, please? Um, some parents have children coming to both campuses. Uh, I'd, I'd like to remind, with all humility, this is a gift. And parents sometimes give me grief and tell me, how do you expect me to be at two places? Well, they need to make arrangements and bring their children to both campuses. But I I really think um, such a gift is not, you know, it's really not something that's just going to happen. So they should value this. And I'd like to also appeal to those children who are in the program, please, to be regular, not to decide to sleep late one Saturday, because if your space is full, it's gone. We are packed to capacity at the moment. Most definitely. Um, I want to just uh, say final words uh, to uh, to the parents. Also, maybe if, if there's a word to the Khif schools, those who, who are looking to become compliant, uh, just finally, Sheikh Shade. 
anywhere else? No, Hamda, I just want to raise an important matter. <coughs> Tomorrow we're doing the official launch at the MGC where the Department of Education will be invited, the Senior Council, the Imara, will be invited, the Executive Presidency will, of course, be as part of the MGC. And then we also look at DQA, the Department of Quranic Affairs of the MGC, which has about 65 registered Hafiz schools with them, and they look at the development of the HIFS programs and the, the Hufar themselves, developmental programs. And, of course, uh, everybody who is involved with these schools know that the competitions are normally allies locally, and then nationally and then internationally and that the MGCDQ is also affiliated to the international networks of half its schools so that is a different dimension but we work closely with them also in terms of those half its schools that are registered and those who are not we encourage them to also partner and to work together so that we have a common objective of developing our half its student to become the best half it but also the best professional that we can produce for our communities this is very common in the Arab world and I think more and more, this can be a reality for South African Muslim communities that we can develop highly professional people that are Hafid al-Quran. And this is one of the key objectives for the Al-Azhar was established. At this moment, the Al-Azhar is enjoying, um, I think, the highest number of uh, Hufad at the school. The highest number. And I think we are pushing an ag- academic program besides being Hafid al-Quran. Inshallah. Amin Ananti, Ananti Nazima. <coughs> Oh, there's so much I'd like to say. <laughs> I think we must uh, just remind our parents, please, that they need to think about what's going to happen when the child is completed. For me, that is crucial because right now, father uh, walking out of the schools, of the institutions, with absolutely no idea where to go, where to turn to, what to do. There is a small opportunity out there right now where uh, young people of 18 years and older can go and get further education but it's such a small opportunity and there are 100 more young people out there who have absolutely nowhere to turn to so they really need to think about what they're doing and do it better inshallah inshallah for a message has come to you assalamu alaikum to all in studio this is a wonderful initiative and sounds really promising mashallah i commend mrs umar for everything she is doing and has done for my child children even though they're not part of this program but have been part of their lives all the very best to you and all on board this program Program. Best of wishes, most sincere du'a, Sharfa and Akifa Fatar. Oh, all the best to you and all on board with this program. And then there's another question that says, can a, an adult of 30 years old join the program? I'm not sure if it was male or female. In which way? I, I, th- I think what they're saying is an adult of 30 years old, uh, someone who uh, you know did gifts uh, and then went into the working world maybe, never completed them a trick. Never. Absolutely. Okay. So I think there's a separate program that is being mm. run. We call it the bridging program, okay. uh, which is uh, run privately by uh, Sister Nazima. And essentially it's like your night school. Um, uh, where you go there for, uh, like we have all the natural different uh, high schools. They register with ABET, etc., and then they prepare you for the matric exam. Okay, so okay. similarly, if that is the academic side that the person wants to deal with, then certainly we can refer the person to night schools or to the private bridging course uh, courses that's being offered. Otherwise, if it's a his program, certainly there's a number mm. of our half teachers that are running after our schools and weekend schools as well. I want to ask a question. Look, that person was um, probably in school. Uh, at left school at a time where uh, outcomes-based education hadn't really uh, taken effect or taken root. So now, how does that person, let's say they left at grade 
8 to grade 9 mm-hmm. How would they then be integrated uh, back into the system? That's a special course of 18 months To okay. prepare the, 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 the learner at this stage We don't call them learners, they're over 18 mm-hmm. So they become students okay. <laughs> <laughs> So the students are prepared differently mm-hmm. But certainly if the person calls the help desk I'm sure we can give mm-hmm. the person the necessary advice and also referrals. That's a very interesting one, though. Mm-hmm. There are uh, many, many children over 20, <coughs> children, I still call them children, over 20 who have completed who are in exactly the same position. They, there's no, no way for them to go because they can't go back to school. Most definitely. Um, I want to say shukran so much to my guests, Sincere Shukran, and, and also to the, those who've, who've messaged in this evening. Uh, and may Allah subhanahu grant this, uh, this program to become a huge success. And uh, again, we we once again uh, say that the, the responsibility lies with the parents. Um, yes, uh, parents, some parents are probably saying, yeah, but you know, why is everything on my shoulders? The reality is this is definitely on your shoulders. And um, because you're dealing with the future of your child. Correct. So we need to be hands on at all times. I want to say to Sheikh uh, Shahid and also to Auntie uh, Nazima, shukran so much for joining us. Afwan. All the best. Afwan. And wassalamu alaikum But of course, uh, that's it for MJC Speaks this evening. And uh, yeah, so once again, look, uh, looking at the MJC's Hufad uh, Academic Support Program, um, and a fantastic initiative. And uh, I think when it comes to Hufad, uh, those who memorize the Quran and hold them in their hearts, we hold them in the highest team and, and we should support him so part of that is to ensure the future and look after the future so let's do that inshallah at the same time but also and just to add i think it's very important uh, just in, con- in conclusion i mean the uh, people who have the quran are considered ahlullah the family of allah khasa is they, they a special group of people of allah and I think if we want to bestow that honor and dignity on these individuals, let us also give them dignity in life and how they are is to be respected and the role that they perform in life. So I think let as parents and as a community, let us give the extra support to our Hafid students to make them far better. Uh, you know, contributors to our society. Inshallah. And and once again, I would like to say that this is not. Uh, we, I know we've been speaking about the role of parents and the challenges about you know uh, secondary education or, uh, or or not even secondary education, uh, the academic side of things and the challenge and when 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 Khufaz do re-enter that that space. But it's not. We're not discouraging parents from sending their kids. We're just saying have a plan for your child. That's all we're saying. We're not discouraging you from going to 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 to. Uh, uh, you know, uh, send your child for gifts, and I think it's extremely noble, and we should do that. But also have a plan for your child uh, academically, so that you know when they return to school, they are on a good footing. And I think this program uh, is oh, one of those amin, initiatives, amin, amin, that will stand them, stand them in good stead. Well, that's it from myself, Muhammad Fasih Peterson. I will speak to you again soon, inshallah. Everybody, wassalamu alaikum, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Next up is producer Fisher with Caravan.